Thanks for joining us for season three. Yes, we are at season three of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, Michael Schatzberg, also known as The Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. I can't believe we're uh, already uh, kicking off episode one of season three. Can't believe uh, they, it, Jimmy. And they, and they said it wouldn't last. No, but, right. Uh, episode one, season three of the Hospitality Hangout. And we have a truly all-star lineup. Uh, and we're kicking off really strong. Uh, our, our, our first episode of the new season, our premier guest, Mr. Stephen Ellenson. Um, uh, how we're getting these guests, Jimmy. Uh, good, good things we're giving away, uh, giving away lots of burgers and stuff downstairs. <laughs> Stephen is the worldwide head of restaurants and food service for Amazon Web Services. Uh, for those of you in the acronym uh, business, that's AWS. And we can't wait to get this conversation started. Stephen, we're going to ask you to take the lead. We'd appreciate if, if you could give us a little background about yourself and, of course, uh, introduce AWS. And, and again, truly, thank you for kicking off season three with us. Definitely. And uh, we need to talk more about these burgers you claim you're offering downstairs. Yeah, Jimmy, I'd like to know about that. <laughs> First and foremost, thank you guys for the invitation to join on this premiere of the, the new season um, and for the podcast and for everything you guys have been doing for the industry. Um, you know, one of the things I love most about this is how we band together and really come together as a community in order to support each other. Uh, personally, myself, my background is 30 years in the industry. Um, the day I turned 14, I went out and got working papers signed by my school <laughs> so I could get a job. Uh, and I got my first job working at Wendy's, actually, speaking of hamburgers. Wow. Uh, I was very fortunate along the way to have some amazing mentors, and they encouraged me to continue my education. So ultimately, I pursued an undergrad degree in hotel and restaurant management. I came out of school and I moved into the table service and fine dining space and really enjoyed that arena. Um, and then ultimately, I had the opportunity to join a point of sale uh, vendor or POS for those that like those acronyms. Uh, I was able to help do some training, deployment, and ultimately build some like next generation restaurant operating systems. That entrepreneurial bug as a restaurateur laid dormant in me. And over time, I just had to branch out on my own. So I became a consultant uh, and then also created and sold a restaurant concept. Along that way, I then determined to ultimately join some well-known brands. Uh, so I helped the likes of Applebee's, Burger King, and then ultimately Subway, uh, running their global IT and then also supply chain. Uh, using my passion for technology, for the industry, and ultimately really to make a difference for the operators, as I was once an operator, and I know how difficult and challenging that that could be. Uh, AWS is really the culmination of all of those experiences. I'm very fortunate to be able to assist customers in all segments of the industry around the entire globe. Um, I help them to use AWS services, solutions, and programs to really transform their operations. Um, for those that don't have familiarity, AWS is really the cloud computing division of Amazon or Amazon.com as you would know it. Uh, we offer cloud-based like infrastructure, database, storage, uh, machine learning, and other services um, that brands can consume on demand. Now, this is a very new model. Uh, if you think about it, in the old days, you would invest working capital or fixed capital into securing all those resources. Um, Difference in the cloud is that you now literally only pay for what you consume. And so ultimately, you're only paying for the value that you receive. In essence, and the way I like to summarize it, is AWS is really like the building blocks upon which industry customers can build elastic and resilient businesses. 
that was amazing. It's unbelievable. And I love the uh, the starting your first job at Wendy's. We were talking about burgers. And by the way, I got to tell you, Wendy's have always had a great burger, always loved it. Um, getting back into it, I think there, I mean, obviously, there's not a person on the planet that doesn't know uh, what Amazon is. Um, I know personally uh, in my family, my wife probably supports at least 50% of the Amazon's uh, <laughs> revenue online. Love to hear it. But speaking to you and getting to know you and talking a little bit more uh, offline, uh, I've learned a lot more about Amazon. And there's so much more than what we as just kind of the consumers know, just going and shopping, um, specifically the AWS. And we hear that acronym AWS. I don't think anyone even knows what it is. Maybe someone's initials. Uh, can you share with our listeners? Because I mean, it's, to me, it's incredible when we when, when we spoke about it and I learned more about it. But share with our listeners a little bit more about. I know you touched on it, but what is AWS? And 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 your efforts specifically relating to hospitality, because I don't think really anyone understands the magnitude of what AWS is aside from Amazon. For sure. And uh, please send your wife a personal thank you for making sure that little boxes keep coming to the doorstep uh, every single day. We, will. we all appreciate that. 100%. No, it's funny. Uh, mo most know Amazon from the e-commerce marketplace. Uh, most are obviously familiar with our leader, Jeff Bezos. You know, ultimately, he started the organization focused around books, although it's grown to become integral, as you talked about, in everybody's lives. Um, most folks actually don't know Amazon's mission statement. So let me share it with you. It's, uh, quote, to be Earth's most customer-centric company. So it's very interesting. And you start to actually see the unique and peculiar culture of the organization just from the statement of that mission statement. Um, Jeff also had a vision. And like most amazing companies, this vision was drawn on the back of a napkin. Um, it's kind of become famous over time, mostly for modeling a marketplace. And I think we'll talk about that a little later because you guys have recently launched your own marketplace. Um, that marketplace became known as a virtuous cycle or what you'll hear me refer to as a flywheel. Uh, ultimately, what Jeff was thinking about is that creating a great customer experience would drive traffic to that website. And then having a lot of traffic at the website would uh, you know, drive more sellers to want to join the marketplace. And over time, the more sellers you have, the more selection you get. And obviously, the more selection you have, the more customers it attracts. And you can start to hopefully hear in my voice, right? kind of like the spinning of this flywheel going around and around. It's very similar to what I think you guys are created with the branded hospitality marketplace. Now, ultimately, while growing would occur at Amazon, this would begin to lower their overall cost structure, right? They would gain efficiencies of scale. They would gain buying power. This would allow them to lower prices. Again, if you lower prices, that improves the customer experience. This starts to spin the flywheel all over again. Now, ultimately, AWS or Amazon Web Services was born all of the, out of all of that. Amazon ultimately could not find the technology that it needed as the marketplace was scaling. And so in 2004, they actually began to build their own technology. Now, over the years, some of the largest sellers on those marketplaces, which would be well-known well brands that you guys know, would approach Amazon and would ask, hey, can we use those same services like we could benefit from them? So going back to that mission statement, being customer-obsessed, they said, sure, we'll make them available. And so ultimately in 2006, AWS was launched. Uh, the very first service was called Elastic Cloud Compute, uh, later became known as EC2. But basically that's like, think of the idea of like the central processor that's inside of a computer that you might've had in your house. To prove that that flywheel actually works, uh, since 2006, AWS has reduced their prices 86 times. 
Now think about your vendors and think about your other partners that you do business with. How many of them can you say have done the same for you ultimately, right? Uh, our, our price has been increased 86 times. <laughs> exactly. So it's proof that the model works and it's proof that Amazon is a very unique corporate, you know, corporation. Specific to hospitality, uh, myself and my peers, ultimately we serve as liaisons. Uh, we work backwards from our industry customers. We really try to understand their business opportunities and then we help them to apply AWS services. Let me go back to like that building block reference that I made earlier. Um, you know, industry customers, there's not really defined repeatable implementations. Each customer is unique, right? Your operation is different from the guy that's down the street. AWS has more than 175 distinct services or building blocks. So really how we arrange them and how they can be used is where a lot of the innovation comes from. Um, you know, I would summarize that across all the industries when I work with customers, they really are looking at two main drivers. Uh, and these really mirror that flywheel I spoke of earlier. Um, customers are looking to either enhance their guest experience or to increase their operational efficiency. Underscoring both of these is really the industry's uh, driver to become more data driven. They want to have a solid foundation of insights. Thanks for that. I mean, that's incredible. I can see in your voice, you are really passionate and excited about this. And um, it's incredible. As a father of uh, three boys myself, uh, something that always resonates with me is um, you, you talked about building blocks. And I think when we spoke, you talked a little bit about an analogy of, of your services to Legos. And obviously, uh, uh, with boys of three, I've had many a Lego in my in my house over the years. Uh, you talked a lot about building blocks, the Legos. Uh, can you share just a little bit more detail to, for our guests of exactly the analogy of your services and Legos? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I still love playing with Legos. I have Me four too. nieces and nephews, and uh, that is a toy that has no age bracket on it. And so I uh, definitely enjoy it myself. I'll say as a restaurateur, let me kind of break this down with another analogy, right? So AWS kind of has a dish for everybody. Envision, if you would, like a three-layer cake. At the top of the layer is going to be the frosting or what everybody really loves the most. Um, these are going to be services that I would call you know, artificial intelligence. Uh, it's called that mostly because they really mimic our human cognition. The services make it really easy to incorporate this AI into your business uh, without having to have a lot of knowledge of how to build and train really complex algorithms. We have a number of services that do this. So uh, in the industry, one that's used very heavily is called Amazon Recognition. This allows you to do analysis on both images and video. Uh, we have Amazon Poly, which allows you to translate text into speech, used quite a lot you know, in drive-throughs and contact centers. Um, most from people are actually familiar with the background service to Amazon Alexa, and ultimately that service is called Amazon Lex. And so this allows organizations to build natural language processing, like if you wanted your consumers to be able to place orders right through Alexa. We have Amazon Personalize. It allows you to make real-time recommendations and to personalize service offerings for your guests. There's even a tool called Amazon Forecast. Uh, this helps you to improve the accuracy of your time series forecasting. And the one that's used very heavily in the industry is called Amazon Connect. Uh, this is a cloud-based contact center. This allows you to move your operation to literally anywhere you want and then provide high levels of customer service over the phone. So that's like that top layer. We start to move down to like the middle layer. Wait, there's more? That wasn't it? 
That's the top layer. That's the frosting, right? <laughs> That's only the frosting. Dude, we're talking, we're talking about a great cake right now. Okay, let's let's do yeah, this cake. is some cake. It's a good cake. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to break it down. Right, there's 175, and I promise I won't go through them all. Uh, you know, just just the ones that are relevant for the industry. But uh, the middle is kind of this this emerging piece that we hear a lot referred to as machine learning. Um, and the reality is, is I know you guys are in the investment space, and you talk about unicorns, but the real unicorns on our earth are actually data scientists. There are so few of them, and every brand would like to have access to them um, but there just are not enough to go around and so how do you how do you make you know machine learning democratized so that it's available to all and so ultimately we have a solution that's called amazon SageMaker, and it does with that it removes all the heavy lifting the complexity the guesswork makes it very easy to build train and deploy machine learning at scale uh, there are industry customers that we have use cases for that are published uh, the likes of Domino's, deputy sweet green swiggy and even up, uh, you know, they use the service in order to bring machine learning into their operations and for their customers. Um, then I'll kind of move down to like the bottom layer. Uh, this starts to get way more technical. And this is really for the technologists who want to select all the underlying components of an application or system that they're building for themselves. It's somebody who really believes that there's a point of differentiation by doing that. We're starting to talk about things now like storage, networking, compute, and databases. Uh, databases is a good place to kind of talk about because most providers only have like a single relational offering um, and they want you to put your data into their desired format. Again, being peculiar and being unique. At Amazon, we actually have 23 different database offerings across seven types of databases. So when I talk about allowing somebody to select a component for themselves, you get the sense of it. Um, the one example I'll give you is Amazon Neptune. Uh, it's a reliable graph database that's built specifically for the cloud. Now, graph database technologies are new and emerging, but ultimately what it does as a brand is it allows you to help discover relationships. And so we have brands that are really keen at marketing, and they're using this kind of technology in order to understand the influences of their brand and to even get down to the level of the micro-influencing level. Really, really innovative stuff. I got to tell you, I think you guys might be onto something. Um, <laughs> this Amazon I, I, could turn into some, Jimmy. <laughs> this Amazon thing might 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 work out. Um, <laughs> it might work you out. Should make an investment. It is a public. Oh, oh it's already gone public. <laughs> I missed, I missed my moment. Mm. And by the way, I couldn't help but notice that Chad has brought up how uh, his wife is uh, responsible, obviously humorously, for fifty percent of Amazon's revenues. He mentioned he has three, three, three kids, three sons. I'm trying to figure out how a family of five has seven. Amazon Prime accounts. That's a question for another time. I don't understand how Shad. Someone's got to support Amazon, Jimmy. We got to keep this company going. Family of five, seven accounts. Shad, you got to rein that in. Uh, no, sincerely, uh, Stephen, we appreciate all that color and you know getting into uh, you know some of the uh, the specific offerings and where you're adding value to your customers and to the industry. Uh, I know um, you know another goal for AWS is to educate, to inform, and to evangelize the power of cloud for the industry. That is no small task. <laughs> so when it comes to certain technology uh, adoptions, hospitality falls, you know, respectfully, we, we'd have to admit, pretty low, um, you know, on the on the totem pole um, yeah. when it comes to, uh, you know, our industry embracing technology. And that's changing, which is awesome. Um, how are you working to help brands accomplish this goal from both a customer experience standpoint, as well as to help operational efficiency that you mentioned a few moments ago? Man, what a, what a powerful question. I mean, you're basically talking about what has become my life's work. So uh, I'll, try, I'll try to summarize that to the best of my ability. Really, Jimmy, Jimmy one, Chet, zero. <laughs> the, 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 the way it usually, usually goes. 
Yeah. No, the reality is, is uh, it's been a huge juxtaposition of experiences, right? Uh, so this kind of pre-pandemic and I'll talk about, you know, post-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, a lot of the conversation was around innovation. You've already you know, heard me use that word a few times. Uh, disruption. A lot of the restaurant brands themselves were feeling disrupted from like the third party marketplaces and everything that was going on. Cost is always a conversation. Flexibility is a conversation. And for some, it was about global reach, right? They were scaling their brands and they wanted to understand how they could you know, get their technology to support them around the globe. Post-pandemic, honestly, elasticity has become the single focus of the conversation. And I'll, I'll define that in a moment. But literally, it happened overnight, right? So as you talked about, most in the industry rely on on-premises-based computing. Think about actually having like servers in your back office where the managers sit um, you know, to run the entire operation. Or if they're a little larger, they actually have like a data center, right? A centralized location where all mm -hmm. this technology is stored. Um, you generally have, you know, special resources who have to maintain all those those things and keep them running. And what they ultimately found was the finance side was basically they had a huge amount of fixed capital, they had a huge amount of fixed capacity all sitting in place, and suddenly the customer demand, you know, vanished overnight. Right. So some brands actually closed for a few weeks and really experienced that. Then they began to pivot to curbside or delivery. And that's when that inelasticity really became you know, apparent. The POS registers are not ringing any sales, but yet they still have to pay for all these services and the computers and resources. So let me flip back to like elasticity. Right. With the cloud, you literally can spin up and spin down services you know, on, on a second by second basis, only as you mm -hmm. need them. And right. so back to my original definition, you're only paying for the consumption. And as a restaurateur, you're only consuming when you're actually processing orders and receiving value, right? So that conversation has ultimately shifted from innovation and disruption into a key term I'm using now is really reinvention. We find most, restra re most restaurateurs are trying to reinvent themselves. So if I go back to that flywheel again, just for a moment, you know, brands are looking to reinvent that customer experience and then to reinvent their operations. Technology, when it's used properly, is really just an accelerator of that flywheel we've been talking about all along. You know, I, I, I love the flywheel concept, um, but to help out at least a lot of uh, my friends uh, who right now are thinking about Equinox and... and, and Jimmy's and, a soul cycle, uh, avid soul cycle guy. I like the, the hippie dippy uh, class more than the intense flywheel class. But <laughs> but no, really, I think you're bringing a, an important definition to the value add of AWS, and and I'll probably going to borrow uh, the flywheel concept. Um, just footnote, and, just and, footnote Stephen, okay? And I will give Stephen and AWS the attribution, uh, but thank you for that. Please do. I'm going to quote uh, Stephen for a second here, and I hope I get this right, because uh, as an operator uh, myself, we own and operate, as you know, uh, 22 restaurants here in New York. I appreciate your motto. The more you can help an organization reduce costs, this is quote, the more the business can plow savings back into the customer experience. Let's discuss this because I think you're spot on. It, it, can you... Give us a little more on this, Matt. Yeah, you, you've got it. Now, now you've got the essence of the flywheel, and let's let's move from the conceptual, like in the reality. So, I want to try to really make this tangible for my fellow operators. Um, so, let me introduce this sort of in a new model way. Uh, the average restaurant in the industry makes about two point seven million dollars a year. Right, so that means there's many that are higher. Uh, Cheesecake Factory averages about eight million. Chick Fil A is about six point four, and then there's many that are lower. Uh, you know, publicly Subway is about four hundred forty thousand dollars a year, and then you have independents that fall in there. So two point seven million industry average, right? So let's take that as our model. When I speak of enhancing the customer experience, 
I start to decompose that idea into concepts like personalization, like connected experiences, like ways to elevate customer service. Let's say we're able to implement some technology that can improve customer experience by 1%, right? What that does is it attracts more customers. It retains our existing customers. It drives frequency. It maybe increases the check average, right? If all else remains constant and we're able to do that, uh, right? Taking into account variable expenses, a 1% increase in customer experience will actually yield a 5% increase in your operating income. Okay, so now let's flip the coin and let's talk about improving your operational efficiency. I generally decompose that idea into three areas. We talk about improving the core operations. We talk about reducing IT costs. And then I also talk a lot about sustainability. So let's say that using technology again, we can improve the operational area by 1%. We reduce inventory, we reduce labor, we eliminate spoilage, we reduce waste, we lower IT budgets. All things you know, remaining constant, taking into account the variable expenses, a 1% decrease in operational, or increase in that case, in operational efficiency yields an extra 6.5% to your operating income. So now reflect on your own organization. Let's just say we could use some technology to do both, simultaneously increasing customer experience and operational efficiency by 1%. What would you guys do with an extra 11.5% increase in your operating margin? I'd, now, I'd pay Jimmy that. more money. Right now, extrapolate it. You guys own 20 plus restaurants. Imagine if you owned 100 or if you were one of these large brands that owned a thousand. And now you start to understand why I get so excited by this subject. It's incredible. And on that note, uh, I'll put you on the spot here. If you have two bits of advice for uh, fellow operators out there going digital, what would it be right now? Oh. I would say as you better understand the corporate culture uh, that's really made you know, Amazon a success, and I'm, I'm kind of pulling back the curtain and revealing a little of that today, you start to learn that it's really about people first and then the technology second. So for me, I would say the first thing to do is to create a culture where all of your team members can share their ideas. You, know, you never know who has the, the best guest insight. And I'll tell you from my 30 years in the industry, it's generally not the executives, right? It's most likely those on the front line that are working with the customers and the Agreed. guests that's, that knows what's best. So make sure you're creating that culture. Then, you know, the second, you have to create a process that really reduces your risk and allows you to speed up your experimentation. Now, the cloud, again, is great for this because as we talked about earlier, as you're experimenting, you can quickly close down experiments that are failing and you can also quickly accelerate those that are winning with the elasticity and with ease. Um, you know, on that note, I'd say as you convert that culture, I use the word failure, make sure that they don't see failure as a negative thing, but that you begin to view failure as a learning opportunity. This becomes something to celebrate. This was a, a huge transformation point for me in the last organization I was leading, where I would come in every month and I would actually share with my team, you know, a failure that I had, and then I would celebrate it. And it really helped to convert the culture for the organization. Um, for me, the inspiration really was Thomas Edison. There's a famous quote where a reporter asked him about uh, his experiments. He was trying to capture electricity and store it in jars or containers, right? And people back then thought that that was insane. Ultimately, mm -hmm. today we call those batteries, right? And his answer was, because uh, he had been through a plethora of experiments, he knows 99 ways that it wouldn't work, <laughs> right? So for him, those weren't 99 failures. They were basically 99 ways that were leading him towards the path that ultimately was going to work. And of right. course, spoiler, he figured it out. And we talk about reinvention. That obviously reinvented society as we know it. Um, and I'm very positive 
that some of the reinventions that have been born out of this industry as a result of the pandemic, they're definitely going to impact how we eat long into the future. You know, I, 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 I think that's really great. And I have to tell you, um, it's really interesting to learn that the organization does kind of, you know, I think I heard you say celebrate, uh, you know, failures or, you, you know, you value those failures as learning experiences. And I, I know for ourselves at Branded um, and in my previous background, um, you, we don't want to kind of move on so quickly. Um, you got to really think about what you just experienced because you learn so much more uh, from the failures um, or the mistakes than you do from, you know, the successes. Um, so I'll stick with my being the finance guy. Um, and, and I want to uh, kind of bring data uh, into the discussion um, because mm -hmm. I know that is a critical uh, piece of the, of the of the AWS value proposition. You know, and as I think about the hospitality industry, you know, I think it's fair to say that operators didn't get into the restaurant business to be in the data <laughs> management business. However, you know, there is an abundance of data out there. And as you highlighted, it's really important. So how do you recommend operators gather that data? And then probably as important, maybe, once they have it, how do they properly use it? Yeah, wow. What an amazing question. And uh, it's funny, like myself, because you know I started as an operator, I really didn't care about the data at all, right? It was all about customer service and cleanliness and mm -hmm. marketing and all those aspects. And over my 30-year career, I have become such a data nerd, it's it's unbelievable. So uh, such, a, such a great question. Um, you know, ultimately, as I think about it, right, industry customers, and you can even reflect on yourselves owning the operations that you do, we tend to implement what I call a point solution at a particular point in time in order to solve a particular issue. So if you think about your point of sale or your customer relationship management, you know, CRM, loyalty, payment processing, labor scheduling, HR onboarding, right, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on and on and on and on. You implemented all these systems at a particular point in time to solve a particular point problem. These systems have great value, and many of them actually offer some form of analytics like natively built in. But the real power truly comes from being able to combine all those data sets together and to extract additional insights, which really allow you to inform your business. Um, a great recent example, I've been working with some industry customers around the marketing side, is this concept of micro-segmentation. Right, so hopefully you guys are familiar with segmentation. You're like generally bucketing the customers who come and you know interact with your brand. Uh, let's say for the sake of this conversation, you have three segments. Um, there's frequent users, right? Those that come multiple times a week. Uh, I'll call them day part specialists. Somebody that comes to you only on one particular day part. You know, maybe it's breakfast. Uh, let's just use that for example. And then let's say there are special occasion diners, those who come, you know, once a year for their birthday or their anniversary, right? And your CRM mm -hmm. system is telling you that. So these are our three, um, you know, kind of segments for today. The pandemic caused a huge shift in all that consumer behavior, right? And so now people are moving between those segments. If you're able to break it down and combine the data from your point of sale, combine your CRM system data, combine that loyalty data, you know, now you're able to have a view on who's joining each one of those segments and who's departing from each one of those segments. I'll drill down even deeper. I'm interested in trying to understand those who have remained in those segments. Well, what are the menu items that they're interacting with? You know, hey, because we've shifted to off-premises, I find we're selling a lot less beverages. I also find we're selling larger like family style meals as opposed mm -hmm. to meals aimed for, you know, couples or, or, or two. And so armed with all this information, all these insights, I can now begin to rapidly experiment with marketing campaigns to either reattract those who have lapsed 
or to find ways to retain and hang on to those who have recently joined my brand, right? So now think about this and apply this back to that model we talked about earlier. If I can get that 1% one, 1 improvement in frequency or spend, you think about the huge impact that that has for the business. So when you ask for like a recommendation, I'd say as a restaurateur, you know, defend your rights to your data with all your vendors and, and, you know, proprietors that you work with, make sure that you have rights to these data whenever you sign up for the solutions. Not only that you have the rights, make sure that they're either no or very low fees if you ever choose to want to extract it. And then the second real piece of advice, you know, look for long-term partners, you know, such as AWS, um, you know, people with broad and deep services and foundations and experience who can really help you. Um, you know, AWS is, is instrumental in this area because we're uh, innately flexible. You can ingest any type of data that you have. Um, we help you to break down those silos. We give you one single home to have all of that data. Uh, we provide you with analytical tools so that you can find these kinds of, you know, insights and, you know, really make uh, motions and changes to your business. And then ultimately you want easy ways to connect these insights back. You want to connect them to like external applications facing your guests, or maybe you have internal corporate systems that you want to make sure that you're able to display that information back into. You know, th thank you for that. And I want to stay, stick, stick with this uh, topic just for one, one more moment. Um, I've been asked this question a lot about as we approach the recovery, you know, what do we think is going to continue the consumer, uh, the things they were, they, they needed to do or, or wanted during the crisis, uh, the operators are doing as we move towards recovery. Do you think the consumers will continue to follow the digital path? Oh, I, I really do. And honestly, I'd, I'd love to get your take on it too. You know, I, I believe we were on this path already and that the truth is 100%. that, and that the pandemic really just served to accelerate it. Um, you know, the, the guests now have gotten this taste of what I'm calling ultimate convenience. And I think as a result, there's no turning back. Uh, they love it. I, I remain unbelievably excited for the future. I'm sure you can sense that in my voice. Um, mm -hmm. And we talked about it earlier. I mean, I know firsthand the resiliency of my peers inside the industry. Um, you know, this unique time uh, was an opportunity for them to display it to the rest of the world. And it makes me so innately proud. We're in your camp on that. Um, Shatz and I like to say that COVID has changed for our industry nothing, but has accelerated everything. And we might say, you know, five, five years and five months. Five years and five months. And the reason we chose five years and five months, it's actually been about nine months, but five years in nine months doesn't sound as good as yeah. five years, five months. Um, but but anyway, we agree with you. In fact, we were t uh, talking with one of our partner companies and, and we have a difference of opinion where we think the digital path is going to be dominant. Um, and by that, we think, uh, you know, coming close to 40, 50% of the restaurant market by the end of this decade will be in the virtual type of uh, space. But that's a topic for another time. We want to um, kick off a new segment. And um, I'm always proud that uh, when our producer and partner, uh, Julie Zucker, comes up with a new segment. And uh, Stephen, congratulations. Uh, you are the first person that we are. Uh, and, and, and she gives a new segment to you, Jimmy, which I don't think is fair. I, uh, you you got to be nicer to Julie, Shatsy. You really got to be nicer. Um, <laughs> but we, um, it turns out that when we started this podcast, you know, uh, you know we like talking uh, to people, but guests have you know, asked that maybe they should get to ask us a question. Um, so with that in mind, new for season three, you're our guy, Stephen. We're going to introduce Yay. the newest segment, Talking Back. Um, you get to play the role. You get to play the role of Shatsy's family to him. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, we're, we're going to give guests the chance to ask us questions, uh, and nothing is off the table. So, Stephen, you're our guinea pig here. We're going to give you the chance to ask us a question, and nothing is off the table. 
Awesome. Well, I promise this won't be a, an intervention kind of thing, but I am deeply intrigued because of how unique your operation is, right? The three different areas that you guys play in. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot about reinvention. We've been talking about digital. We've been talking about resiliency. You know, in the middle of all of this, you guys recently opened a brand new restaurant in New York City of all places. Uh, it's called Isabella's Osteria. I'm really curious to understand, you know, what you've done and what you're going to continue to do in order to build resiliency for your brands as the future is still very much unknown. Well, I'll tell you, that's a great question. And uh, I think it just says that uh, we're insane. That's, that's the <laughs> short answer. We're insane. <laughs> uh, no, and all kidding aside, you know, listen, the pandemic has, has brought all sorts of craziness to the industry. And uh, we had an opportunity, we, we to, to specifically to Isabel's uh, opening up, uh, you know, we had a, a, a lease and we couldn't, you know, it's, we're stuck with that lease as so many operators are. Mm -hmm. And we had an opportunity to get a fantastic chef that we probably never would have gotten if this, uh, if the, if the pandemic hadn't hit. So uh, we were looking, to, we had the space. I had an opportunity to get a great chef to bring him in as a partner. And uh, it just worked. We met and I said, he said, I'm looking for a space. I'm going to go find a space. I said, we already have a space. I've already got everything planned. I said, we'll do everything, you know, br bring it on. And it's, it's worked out great. And, you know, we went from indoor dining back to outdoor dining. And, you know, it's, it, it's been tough, but um, he, he's um, we're, we're doing great over there to answer your question. And uh, it's a location and an area that we've always loved. And we've been here for a long time on Park South. We have three other restaurants here. So I think it all just came together and made sense for us. And the short answer is we couldn't get out of our lease either. So, <laughs> so we had to figure it out and we made, we made the best of it. And like I said, I think it worked out really well because we have a great chef. We have a great concept. We've always wanted to do something Italian. And uh, we built, uh, you know, in New York City, everyone's building these uh, streeteries. We have a superstructure out on the street. So we've got around uh, 30 seats uh, in the outdoor indoor area. And uh, we, you know, we brought uh, a new POS in, Toast POS. We've got all of uh, our technology partners plugged in. Uh, Bbot doing uh, so you can order and pay from your phone. Uh, you know, we've got Ovation doing uh, customer feedback. So we really used it as an opportunity to to open up in a time where we can also accentuate and 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 bring all of the technology that we talk about into this place. And, and it's working out great. So I thank you for the question. I think the place is doing great. And I got to tell you, you really want to know how insane we are. We are actually uh, opening up a second restaurant <laughs> on the Upper West Side. <laughs> Again, we started construction before the pandemic hit, um, you know, and, and but we put a lot of money into it already. So we had to keep going. So we stopped for a little bit. We talked to the landlord, great landlord, both landlords, both landlords are great, by the way. Uh, great landlord. I was kidding about can't getting out of something. Uh, you know, we renegotiated our lease and in the Upper West Side, great landlord. And uh, and we'll be opening up that very shortly. The chef is there. And so, you know, we're we're long on the hospitality business. We're long on restaurants. And, you know, we love New York City and we know it's going to be great. So we're never very short sighted. So we, we know it's going to be great and the industry is going to come back and, and it's going to be great. So that that's where we are on on that. 
Jimmy, anything to add about that? Um, no, Shatsy. I was going to say we might have to change the name of this section from talking back to talking Shatsy. I don't know. Like, I, oh, uh, I, oh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, You're right. Shatsy, let's continue with you. Tell us about yourself. No, sorry. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's – look, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you guys. It's super impressive. You know, I think it's inspiring for other operators that are out there, you know, sharing those insights. And I can also share that I, I understand why you're successful. I snuck by the other weekend and grabbed some uh, food for takeout, and I can share that the uh, the mushroom lasagna is amazing. And so it's it's what I always say that, right, people will find good food. It doesn't matter where it is or how difficult or how different it is to get to. Um, the good food and the good service will drive all. So it's super impressive what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're super excited about it. Thanks for stopping by. I wish you would have told us, though. Jimmy, would have, Jimmy and I would have met you. Secret shopping. <laughs> okay. Secret. All right. Fair enough. I, want, I wanted to have the authentic customer experience, and it was great. All right. I'm going to take I'm going to take us right into uh, another segment. Sorry, Jimmy, that I stole your segment. I told you I love that segment, the uh, talking <laughs> back. You know, listen, we're all about the tech stack at Branded Strategic. Almost daily, we talk to uh, our fellow operators about technology and um been asking about uh, what programs and areas of technology should be included in their tech stacks. Uh, you know, obviously delivery is something everyone talked about, has been talking about. So let's play top of the tech stack with you. What areas of hospitality technology would you um, recommend to operators be on the top of their tech stack, uh, you know, right now and in the, in the, in the near term? Another very interesting question, and I think you'll find my response will probably come out a little different because of my, you know, 30 years being both an operator and a technologist. So I, I really do blend those two. Um, so this may come out slightly more technologically than the rest of the conversation, but I do it only because it really serves a true business value. And it's back to the topic we were talking about earlier. Data, I believe, is going to trump all. Um, you know, when you look again at those two industry drivers, enhancing customer experiences and increasing operational efficiencies, it's the insights that we get from the data that are going to help to inform us the opportunities that we should go and pursue. And then when we do those pursuits and we do those experiments, that same data is what's going to allow us to measure and monitor in real time the impact of our actual efforts, right? So it kind of makes sense. So concepts like, you know, open mm -hmm. APIs, interoperability, event-driven architectures, and even abstraction layers, right? These are concepts that today maybe are not front and center on, you know, most restaurant tours uh, kind of vernacular, but more and more folks are speaking to me about it. And so it tells me being customer obsessed that these concepts are going to help to enable the rest of the tech stack. And so they're going to become more important to operators as we continue to go on. I think most operators, the only tech they really know is uh, POS, and uh, it probably stops there. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought that was one of the best technical kind of answers slash kind of, uh, you know, top down uh, at the needs for our industry. And we've had a lot of big time, a lot of tech leaders on the platform. So, Stephen, appreciate that. Um, very strong. Like that a lot. Hey, we're going to uh, finish up with uh, my last segment, then Shatsy uh, gets gets to finish up with, with his. Should I take this segment also, Jim? You want me to do the crystal ball moment or no? Yeah, you just take, 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 Shatsy. Yeah, you're, you're a hospitality guy. You're supposed to give, give, give. Um, this is our crystal ball moment. It's a chance for us to ask our guests to put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. Um, oh. How do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to digitization and hospitality in general? Oh, uh, fun. Um, it's funny, you, you guys were given your five for five and your other great marketing terms that you've coined up above. Recently, I've been toying with the terms either on-demand dining or on-demand kitchen. 
And basically for me, it's the, like concept, it. it's the concept that restaurants are just going to become this natural extension of our guests' home. Like in the long run, I'd love to see houses built without even having any kitchens, right? Like they're going to use our dining rooms when they're on the go or when they're seeking a particular experience. Don't um, think the appliance manufacturer is going to like uh, that very much. Not, but I'm not in that industry, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll order ahead and pick up when okay. time is precious for them or when they're seeking that like ultimate convenience that we talked about earlier in comfort, then they'll order delivery. You know, we basically just become an extension of their house. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of my crystal ball. Well, they, by that's the way, Shatsy, there went our there went our opportunity to get our friends and partners at Middleby to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're out. Sorry, they're sorry, out. Sorry. Viking. Yeah, sorry, so, Viking. Sorry, uh, fellas. But Jimmy, we will be using on-demand dining, and uh, we will have to footnote Stephen on that deal. Uh, all right, thanks for that. That's, I mean, that's really interesting. I have not heard that before. The kitchenless uh, house, I, I love it. And I think my wife would love it also because I don't think she'd have to do any cleaning. Uh, so I think she'd really be a fan of the kitchen. I, I think uh, we have to have her as a guest on one of these podcasts based on everything we've oh been boy. discussing. Yeah, without me. Uh, all right. Well, listen, this is the last segment, and it is my segment. Uh, this is the quick fire. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Don't panic. Whatever you do, it's going to be super easy. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know how you say yes to that, but sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Who was your favorite actor to ever play Batman? Oh, well, now I'm going to show my age, right? Because I grew up watching Adam West on TV nice. before I used to go to soccer practice every night, right? So I've just showed my yeah. age. Um, if you're talking about the films, I'd have to say my No, age. no, listen, okay. man. Batman, Adam, Adam, Adam West. Adam West. He, he, you can't get better than him. He's the original. The original. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Oh, now you're going to make me feel bad because it's not one of your places. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Um, there's a place nearby me called Calo. Uh, it's a very intimate Latin place. And I'll say, oddly enough, it was the place where my wife and I dined the night that New York City shut down. So we oh, had boy. moved to New York only three weeks prior. And so we literally knew nobody. We're still getting acquainted. And uh, we became very friendly with the maitre d' and the chef. And they're very impressive individuals extraordinary customer service and extraordinary food. And so I've been going at least once a week in order to really try to help them as a small business, uh, you know, support them. Man, that is awesome. And that's what it's about. And that's what hospitality is about. And that's a great, that's great. Love to hear that. What's your favorite food city in the world? Oh, uh, well, that's an easy one. New York City. I mean, there's there's no doubt. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons it. that my wife and I jumped at the chance to to come here and to work with AWS. Really, Can't really argue with attractive. That. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go? Uh, I'm going to say Greece because uh, last year was actually my 20th wedding anniversary. And so mm-hmm. we had planned that as a, as a large milestone trip. And of course, with the, uh, the shutdown, we were uh, forbidden from traveling overseas. Right. And so we were not able to make it. So basically, I think I want to pick up where I left off and just resume those plans. You can't go wrong with that. That sounds great. All right, here's the big one. This is the final question. And this okay. is the, the real big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I, to a game of battleship, who would you have the better odds of beating? Oof, uh, that's a really good one. I would say, you know, do I challenge the operator who has a really strong sense of process, or do I go after the finance guy who probably is very methodical with data and would take some sort of crazy algorithmic approach? Statistically speaking, I think technically the odds are the same, so perhaps I would do a coin flip. 
Um, but maybe if I had to choose, I'll say Shadzi. Yeah, I knew, we, I knew where this was going. I, well, I'll tell you why, because I would on the game. I think we would bet dinner, and I'd rather bet dinner than bet for money. Oh, How's I knew sound? where this was going as soon as you started your process. I'll take it. Season <laughs> well, season three, that. Jimmy one, Shadzi zero. <laughs> I, I think I think I don't know. I think this is episode twenty five. I'm not even sure, but I'm pretty sure it's twenty. I, I think it's I have one, you have twenty four. <laughs> You know? We might have to discuss with our producer the uh, changing up the uh, change up the topic. Uh, yeah, we'll, let's keep going. Let's keep I'm going. I'm with that. Hey, listen, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hospitality Hangout. Um, it, it really appreciate your great insights and um, and all the hard work that you and, and your team at AWS does to support uh, the industry, not just during this difficult time, but always. Um, you know, you mentioned early in the show, you talked about customer centric, and that resonated. Uh, with me because I, you know, branded prides itself on being uh, hospitality centric, um, and and that we define that as companies that are allies to the industry that we love, and AWS and and everything you guys are doing at Amazon is all of that. You are such a great ally uh, to the industry, um, and and really you know, very much appreciate what you guys do. Um, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with Stephen uh, directly, you can email us. That's email. You'll email branded. Uh, we're not giving out cell numbers anymore. Uh, we got in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> um, you can email branded at admin at brandedstrategic.com. That's admin at brandedstrategic.com. Hey, Jimmy, I just wanted to add, Stephen was kind enough to make a great offer for everyone. Anyone who emails us today gets free Amazon Prime for life. <laughs> so we're super excited about that. Thank you for that, Stephen. That was I'd great. like to quickly give the disclaimer that th- that is a joke. Um, <laughs> we, might, that, we might get more emails on that one offer than we've uh, ever gotten before. So, uh, no, we'd be happy to connect you with Stephen. We cannot recommend Stephen and his team at AWS more you know, as, as an ally to our industry. To our listeners, uh, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. Uh, and the fact that you choose to hang out with us is really valued and appreciated. Please join us next time as we're going to welcome our friend, Jordan Bosch, the CEO uh, at Seven Shifts. It's going to be a great one, Jim. We haven't spoken to Jordan in a while. We haven't spoken to Jordan in a while. We think that's going to be great. Seven shifts, uh, longstanding uh, tech player in the industry. And again, as we always try to do, looking for allies in the industry uh, that are bringing value and whatnot. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on the exciting guests that we'll have coming up. It's going to be a great season three. And even better yet, why don't you invite some friends to hang out with us the next time. So until then, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off. And to my friend and partner, This is uh, Shatsy, a.k.a. The Restaurant Guy. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Stephen, thank you from the Hospitality Hangout. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers. Cheers.